The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Welcome to The Career Confidant, and thank you for tuning in again today. This is your host, Marie Zimanoff. And we are here, as we are here every week, to give you the tools and resources that you need to take control of your own career. And a big part of your career management, of course, these days, is your career communications. So whether it's a resume or a professional bio, LinkedIn profile, all of those wonderful pieces that you need to have together to promote yourself, whether it's for a promotion, to move out into a new company or even to get hired as a consultant or a business owner, we have to have something in writing about ourselves. And these documents, these career communications change quite frequently. And so it's nice to have some experts come in and share with us what's going on out there in the wonderful world of career communications. So today we have Wendy Wiener, who is an attorney, formal college professor, and a fellow nationally certified resume writer. So I love this, you know, we hold the best, one of the best resume writers in the, in the industry certifications. And Wendy also is on the National Resume Writers Association board, which I served on for many years. So Wendy is one of my colleagues. She stays on top of what's going on in the industry. And we're excited to have her here to share with us today about resumes and what's going on in that field. Welcome, Wendy. Thank you so much, Marie. It's great to have you. So I know that you work with a lot of different industries. And one of the things that we know as resume writers is that different industries require different strategies. Tell me a little bit about what you've found in your work in terms of how that's true. It is very true. In fact, each industry requires often a different approach and strategy. For example, sales and marketing executives and finance executives are always going to want to have measurable goals within their resume. For example, saying that you were successful at launching a new program is not the same as saying that you successfully launched a new program which resulted in $5 million in cost savings and expanded revenue growth at 25%. Um, in, on the contrary, a legal resume for, let's say, an attorney or a paralegal is going to want to focus on representative engagement, such as leveraging litigation strategy for a multi-million dollar class action, or something along the lines of representing a specific type of client that leveraged 
a certain type of strategy and effectuated a certain type of result. Yeah, so when we think about a resume, oftentimes people think, well, I have to have quantifiable results. And really, it's more about how can you show that you've solved the problems that your future employer is going to be looking to solve. Sometimes that's measurable, and sometimes it's not, but it's always specific, right? I agree. And one of the ways to go about doing that is really always to question yourself and say, how will this allow me to stand apart from another candidate? Is it the same type of responsibility or job function, or is it a major contribution, a key achievement, or a relative accomplishment that will allow me to signify the importance that I brought about in that position within that company? Yeah, so instead of telling a story that could be told about anyone in in that position, you're telling a story that's specific about how you brought value to that organization. And again, sometimes that's quantifiable and sometimes it isn't, but it's always that idea of how can I show how I've added value specifically throughout my career. Correct. And so that's kind of a difference between a, a job description and an accomplishment Right? Is that how you'd explain that to your clients? Correct. And one thing that I always try to explain to the clients is that we should include a couple of sentences, which remains to be a small paragraph of the typical job functions and responsibilities that are charged with action verbs that really tell the specific action and quantifiable action at that as to what they are doing day to day. And then having bullet pointed key accomplishments or major contributions, achievements, and or special types of recognition or representative engagement that are going to hone in on their specific skill set to sell them to a prospective employer. Perfect. And that helps the employer know where to focus, right? They're going to focus on those bullets, and those bullets are going to be the specific stories of our client versus, like you said, in the paragraph, sharing more of that, maybe more general information, maybe some scope information about their oversight, but things that might be included more in their competitors' resumes, although better worded. And then the accomplishments are really the things that they did, their value. Right. And people, when they go to write or think about their accomplishments. I know that, you know, my clients often struggle and they'll say, oh, you know, I just did my job. I didn't necessarily achieve anything or make anything huge, you know, a huge success story. And so how do you help your clients track those accomplishments or achievements? How should a, an a professional out there who's thinking about making a change, make sure that they're keeping track of those stories so that they can write a good resume. Well, Marie, I actually recommend a number of things. One of the first most important things that I actually recommend to my clients is to always hold on to their performance evaluations if they can get them in writing. Now, some companies do provide performance evaluations for mid-year and end of the year, and they do provide copies to the candidates, meaning the candidates who are employed there. Um, And then there are some companies that obviously don't. So there's two different scenarios. If you get your performance evaluations in writing, always get a copy of them and keep it in a file folder at home, never at the office, because obviously for confidentiality purposes. 
The other scenario is now that we are in a day and age where everything is communicated in writing over email, when you are rewarded or you receive an accolade or you receive some type of praise in writing, you always want to print that out and keep that record for your personnel file. And the reason for that is because you never know what someone else said about you in writing that can be utilized as a quote in your resume to help you stand apart, or perhaps you received praise or an accolade for a project that you were the key managing person for. So it's a way to enhance your portfolio, but always keep a separate running list of the types of projects that you've been assigned to, types of leadership skills, uh, types of situations that you've been placed in that will allow you to stand apart. The best way that I can explain this is if you take a lawyer, for example, it's a common task for lawyers to draw pleadings, motions, respond to discovery, conduct depositions, and attend hearings. But a great way to diversify your portfolio is to leverage your skill set beyond the typical day-to-day functions such as, for example, I would say, conducted the deposition of a lead expert witness in a suit uh, for $35 million in negligence benefits. Those types of things are scenarios that are going to allow you to stand apart. So it's always great to have that running list and hold on to it in a separate file folder that you keep at home where it's safe and secure. Yeah, and we don't think about that sometimes, right? You may have your company email or you know, your your files at work and realizing that that might not be the best place to keep things that you want to take with you as you move forward. And maybe similarly, also thinking about while we're on the topic, making sure that your LinkedIn, main LinkedIn primary email account is not your work account, right? And if you're getting things in your work email that you want to keep for yourself, you either need to forward them to your private email or, as you've said, print them out. Don't think that, oh, yeah, I'll go back and get that later because tomorrow, in the real world, tomorrow you might not have access to that company email account, right? Correct. And one of the hardest concepts for a lot of my clients is when they've worked at a company for more than, let's say, 9, 10, or even sometimes as much as 15 to 16 years, how do you quantify 15 to 16 years worth of achievements and accomplishments and job functions in such a small amount of time? Because the resume nowadays has to be a strategic marketing document. So you can't have a four-page resume that conveys your entire work history. Now it really has to strategically sell you. So for those clients, I recommend that they do a lot of introspective and retrospective thinking about the types of core areas of concentration that they have focused on during their tenure with a company. It could be things such as business development, process improvement, specific sales success. When you focus and hone in on those specific key and core areas, a lot of times it's easier to fulfill the types of examples that go within the realm of those core areas. Perfect, perfect. And, you know, I think as people are are tracking their accomplishments and achievements, And as you said, your annual reviews, it's great to be tracking those not only for a resume or any of those, but to have concrete examples to provide at a review. And most companies these days have the individual write things down for their review, and this would make that process that much easier as well. 
Correct. And one of the things that sometimes we don't think about initially at the forefront of our minds is when we're up for that review where we want to apply for a promotion within the department or within the organization, a lot of times we need to provide an updated version of our resume that has a listing of the most recent achievements and accomplishments. So it's really important to just always have a notepad. You can have a small notepad at your desk at work that you transfer to information in a database at home, but it's really important to keep a running list, a handwritten or typed running list of those achievements, accomplishments, major contributions, projects that you've been assigned to, and the types of accolades that you've received along the way during your tenure with a company. Yes, and that idea of you know, keeping track so that you don't have to think of it when it's your review and, and you're in the crunch time, then you have it already all all there at your fingertips. And so we are going to take a short break. We'll be right back and continue talking with Wendy about resumes and, and other career communications for your career. We'll be back in just a few minutes. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more, old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive. They shake up your status quo. Get your thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow, and move you in new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time for our special series on The Digital World. Learn how to be the savvy leader who looks ahead to the next wave of business innovation. Digital World with Game Changers, presented by SAP on The Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. 
welcome to The Career Confidant, and today we are talking to Wendy Wiener, who is a former attorney, which is a great background, and I love listening to the things that you have to say about working with attorney clients, Wendy. And we've been talking about resumes and specifically about tracking your accomplishments and achievements while you're working, right? Why wait until you need a resume and you're in crunch time and you call your resume writer and they say, well, tell me what you've achieved. And you said, well, I don't know. (laughs) So a great time to track those achievements is when they actually happen. Other nice thing about that is if you're going to use that resume for an internal position, which we've been talking about a little bit, people always say, oh, you know, I don't want to overstate it. Well, if you've written down those stories, you'll have the facts and you won't have to feel like you're embellishing because you you wrote it down, you have the exact numbers or, or details and can tell those with authority that this this was what really happened and not worry about what someone else's perception of that might be as much. So when we're thinking about this resume, and this seems like kind of a small issue, and it's very impactful visually, is the font. So resume fonts and fonts in general seem to be a very hot topic today. If you've paid attention to Google and Google's new logo, which is a very kind of old school font that um, many articles would talk about not using, it's very interesting, this new maybe fascination that we have with fonts. So, Wendy, I know that you were quoted in a Huffington Post article back in April of this year on the topic. Tell me what you recommend in terms of fonts and why. Um, I get this question posed to me a lot, and I just had a conversation this morning with a client who is a high-end executive um, with an MBA in the technology industry, and her resume font that she currently uses is Garamond, which is very similar to Times New Roman. It's a serif font. And what I explained to her is that the serif fonts or the ones that we always went to, they were the go-to fonts, you know, standard for letters and resumes and, you know, specific correspondence. The reason that it is not necessarily a great font to use in a resume is because the curvature in the letters actually lends less readability to the human eye. And that is why a lot of articles have been written since the Huffington Post article came about. It actually came about through a Business News Daily article that I was originally quoted in. And what I suggested in that article is that resume fonts are extremely important because you only have five to seven seconds to impress the reader. And what you always want to focus on is the psychology of the reader. And you want to pick a resume font that is both sophisticated in nature but also easy on the eyes. And some of the most well-known sans-serif fonts out there are Arial, Franklin Gothic, which uh, one of my favorite fonts to use in resumes is actually Century Gothic, uh, Tahoma, and Arial. I switch back and forth between those and also Calibri, but I stray away from the serif fonts because of the amount of curvature in the letters, and it just really hinges on precluding a lot of readability in the resume for a clear, crisp image. Okay, and so one of the things that people often do with fonts, and I don't know if you experienced this, but they make them too big. I think that people actually have more of a tendency to make them too big instead of too small. And 
I'm wondering what your thoughts are around size and what people should be looking for or what the what the pitfalls might be of going too too big. Obviously, we know the pitfalls of going too small are that it's hard to read. So sometimes I see people just kind of make it really big. So, of course, it's easy to read, but that doesn't necessarily help with some of the other aspects that you're talking about. Right. And it's, it's kind of funny that you mention that because both of us being nationally certified resume writers, we know that the National Resume Writers Association says that you should stay around 10-point font for the actual typesetting in the resume, and heading should be no larger than 12-point font. I actually tend to use Century Gothic brand font for about 85% of the resumes I do now. I think it looks really clean. It's very crisp. I use most often 9.5, just a slight uh, gap that's a little bit smaller than the 10-point font, and I keep the headings actually at 11-point font. And the idea with the resume font size also is to minimize the amount of white space in the resume. Um, one of the other things that I want to touch upon is that the margins shouldn't be one inch around, but generally they should be about 0.5 or half an inch around um, because it decreases the amount of white space on the resume, gets more words, on the page and actually can often make a, a resume from two pages into one page. Okay. And I think that there's a balance there, right? A smaller font with some spacing in between the bullets or lines can actually be easier to read than a larger font with all of the lines one, one right on top of another. And so you've got to experiment with it and play with it a little bit. And Tahoma size 10 is going to be a lot bigger than Arial size 10. And so you also have to, to look at just how does it look when you print it out. And of course, the downside to having a too large of a font is that you look more elementary, right? It doesn't look sophisticated when your font gets to a certain size. Obviously, it takes up more room on the page, and, and that can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how much content you have, but it just looks less sophisticated. That can work for lower-level people, but if you're a C-level person, a large font making you look less sophisticated probably isn't going to help you. And, of course, for readability, some white space, you know, I'm not a huge fan of it has to be on one page. It really... It's how readable and scannable is it? And Wendy, I think you'd say the same thing, right? We don't want four pages, two pages is plenty. And if one page looks crammed, it's probably not going to be that effective. So everybody's got to make that decision based on the relevant content that they want to include. A nice, clean font, good white space, but definitely not wasting the white space on the edge of the page. Use that white space on the page to help draw the eye where you want it to go. I agree with you, Marie, and one thing that you just mentioned, which I wanted to also touch upon, is when we go on to the second page um, and we learn this rule is that the second page should at least contain half of it full, meaning that if you're going to go on to a second page of a resume, at least half of the page must be filled with content. You don't want to have a quarter of a page filled with content because that can actually detract. Um, the reader from wanting to go on to the second page when they see that there's very limited information. So if you are uh, at the point where you cannot fill up more than a quarter of the second page, you definitely want to reconsider some of the information that you have in the first page, which actually can be modified just through some clean editing and proofreading. Yeah, and oftentimes through 
formatting. We have all these options and fun things that us resume writers like to play around with <laughs> that most candidates don't necessarily love to pay, play around with. But if you're doing your own resume, those are definitely things you want to think about. Um, doesn't do you any good to send something that's hard to read, doesn't give the right first impression. It, best to do some research and figure out how you can use a different font or change your spacing to make that easy to read and nice and clean and crisp. So we've been talking about kind of these best practices, but I'm guessing that different regions of our country and especially internationally prefer different styles of resumes. Tell me a little bit what you found in terms of, of geographics and that implication for resumes. Well, what I found is that um, when I work with a lot of clients who are in the Midwest, um, they tend to have, at times, a more conservative approach to how they want their resume to look, whereas if the client is in a major metropolitan city such as San Diego or San Francisco or L.A. or even New York or Miami, they can actually play with the resume fonts a little bit more. They can add more graphics. Um, certain things are more acceptable. And I also believe that I've become very intuitive with my clients. And when they're in specific industries and levels of professional, meaning whether they're at the beginning of their career or they are in a more expanded area of their career, they actually can have different styles of a resume. For example, I recently worked with a father-son duo. The son is a college student applying for a summer internship, and the father is a vice president executive at a bank. And I used two very different templates on their resumes because the son, being fresh uh, out of school almost and needing a internship that will allow him to leverage his skill set to get him hopefully in the door with a full-time permanent position upon graduation, we had to use a more minimalistic type of design for his resume because we want to err on the caution of being much more conservative as far as the types of companies he's applying to, whereas the dad, being an executive, we have a lot more leeway um, since he already has an expansive portion of his career fulfilled. Yeah, and so people think about that as well, that the resume look you choose is based on the level you are at as well as the types of companies you're targeting you know, no matter what your level, if you're targeting a really conservative company, it probably makes sense to be more conservative with your design. If you're targeting a more hip and, and fresh kind of company, you can have more design to your resume. And then, of course, how you're applying has to factor in there. Are you applying online where there's going to be screening systems involved or are you sending it to an HR person where you would have a little bit more ability to have design and some of those things in the resume. So kind of one final thought here before we say goodbye. It's gone fast, Wendy. Um, give us your, your top two or three, well, I guess your top tip on LinkedIn. How does How is LinkedIn different than what we've been talking about with these resumes? Um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there about LinkedIn today. And one of the things that I especially took away this year from the National Resume Writers Annual Conference is that your LinkedIn profile is so much more visible to many more people than your resume. And the reason that is is because your resume only goes to a hand-select number of people. 
people that you're applying to work for, the types of companies you're applying to work for, and let's say the HR representative or the hiring manager are the only person who will see your resume, whereas your LinkedIn profile is so visible to millions upon millions of people who come across it. So you never want your resume to be a copy and paste. Um, I'm sorry, your LinkedIn profile can never be a copy and paste of your resume. There should be an overlap of information in terms of the job that you've had. So you want to make sure that the dates don't contradict one another. You want to make sure that the information is very similar. But your LinkedIn profile should show a lot more personality and depth to who you are as opposed to your resume. I think in the LinkedIn profile, you can convey a lot more about yourself by using first-person pronouns. Whereas in a resume, you're not going to use first-person pronouns. And I like to get creative with my clients. I would say that 95% of my clients, I also work on their LinkedIn profiles in addition to overhauling their resume. The LinkedIn profile I'm allowed to have more leverage in crafting a document that's much more apt to display their personality, their unique characteristics. And that's a fun thing to do because I think a lot of times we can appear to be very flat characters in a resume, but in the setting of a LinkedIn profile, we're able to show the dimensions of our personalities more. Perfect. And so we're going to say goodbye to you, Wendy, and thank you for being on the show. If you want to tell listeners how they can get in touch with you, is LinkedIn a good place? How can they get in touch with you? Definitely take the time to connect with me on LinkedIn. I have two profiles. If you search by my name, you'll find my attorney profile. But if you search by the writing guru, you'll find my super savvy cartoon character with the red pen of justice that fights all the bad grammar that we see out there every day. Um, You can also locate me via my website, which is www.writingguru.net. Perfect. So, Wendy Wiener, thank you for joining us, the writing guru. And listeners, if you're staying around, stay in tune. We'll be right back to talk about an overview of what Wendy discussed, could break it down for you, give you some specific action steps that you can take to improve your resume and LinkedIn profile based on the great information that Wendy provided. So, we will be right back here on The Career Confidant in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. You've heard of good things coming in packages. Well, maybe there's a little more to that saying, but when you think about it, packaging is one of the most important things that can represent your business. Tune in to Ditch the Box with host David Marinak. Each week, we'll discuss flexible packaging, marketing, sales, and how it all comes together in one container. Lower costs, increase margins, listen to the show. It might just save you a ton. 
Ditch the Box is heard live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Business. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. tuned into the career confidant with marie zimanoff if you have a question or comment for marie or her guest today please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you may also send an email to marie at a strategic advantage.com now back to the career confidant well, hello and welcome back to The Career Confidant. Today we've been talking with Wendy Weiner about resumes. What a wonderful topic and people often you know, wonder if they're dying, are they dead? No, you'll still need one, especially when you actually apply to a position. And we talked a little bit about LinkedIn because, of course, the resume may not be the first thing someone sees about you. So this thing about resumes... And I always find it interesting and people always get frustrated and they they say, Marie, I've asked 10 different resume experts and they all have a different opinion. And the response is just that, yes, that is an opinion. There are some best practices. So Wendy and I were talking about white space and font size. And a lot of that is still in some ways opinion and in some ways strategy, right? Realizing that when you print something off and you look at it, or even if you look at it on the computer, if it's too large of a font, it's actually not any easier to read and it can make you look lower level. Exactly what font size and what font you use, most of those things are going to be opinion. Obviously, Wendy having a great point about readability. If your font is hard to read, as are some of the sans serifs fonts, that can be problematic. Although I, I don't think they're all necessarily hard to read, Times New Roman being very widely used. Most of the funny things that happen out there in the wide world of, of writing, not just resume writing, are these arguments we get into about, of course, what exact fonts we should use. And the, the truth is that fonts have a distinctive look, which can be helpful. Using Times New Roman and Arial used to be taboo because they were overused. Well, then nobody used them for years. And so now I'm not sure that's quite so true. And so you want to think about that font. Is it easy to read? Definitely don't want to use anything that's not standard. And how is the size? Does it work for you? And making sure it's easy to read and skim, right? As Wendy pointed out, you have five to seven seconds to catch somebody's attention. So that means that your document needs to be easy to get through quickly, which means we have to have some kind of white space in there helping the person move through the page. Interestingly enough, the same thing is true on LinkedIn. Of course, on LinkedIn, you don't have to worry about font or size. You only get one, right? LinkedIn decides that. And you do have the opportunity to use spaces, right? Returns on your, if you hit enter on your keyboard, as well as characters. So there are many different types of characters you can use all the way from, you know, the star and the, or the, whatever you, whatever the right 
word is, but the the star, your number eight, shift to number eight key, and and your equal sign and hyphens and all of those things, dashes that you can use right off your keyboard can easily break up a section on LinkedIn. And of course, there are all the fancy characters that you can insert. Those I always think about, be careful, right? We don't want to draw the eye to the character. We want to draw the eye to somewhere we want to read. So we have all of those options on LinkedIn, similar to what we have in our resume. And we can create white space. We can create breaks that help move people through the content. And most importantly, we can create small soundbite readable chunks both in our resume and in our LinkedIn profile that make it easy for someone to digest the information. Having huge long paragraphs on any document that you send these days is probably not going to be effective, whether that's an email, a cover letter, a resume, or on your LinkedIn profile, people will be overwhelmed very quickly with the long paragraph and not even attempt it. So the the moral of the story really is thinking about how easy it is to read what you're sending, what you're submitting, and how could you make it easier, quicker, faster, for people to get to the information you really want them to see. And of course, Wendy talked about uh, margins on a resume, and I totally agree with her there. 0.6 is usually the smallest I go because my printer freaks out if you do a 0.5 and says that that's outside the printable range. That's fine. 0.6 is fine. But there's no reason to spend a lot of white space, waste waste a lot of white space on the edge of the page. I'd rather use that inside the page, spacing between sections or accomplishments to make those easier to navigate. Seems like simple little stuff and it can make a really big impact into the amount of data that's actually consumed by the person reading your document. Again, whether it's a resume or LinkedIn profile, that that white space really helps with that readability. And thinking about kind of our accomplishment side of the resume, Wendy gave you some great ideas to think about how you're adding value to the company versus just talking about what you did there as in what's in your job description. What did you actually do there? What did you accomplish? What were your specific projects? And how did you solve problems? And a lot of times when people struggle with that, I'll have them look forward So what things will this job want you to do? What problems will they need you to solve? Okay, great. Think about those. Write them all down. Look at those new job descriptions you're applying for. What are they asking for someone to do? Now go back into your work history and find specific examples of projects, scenarios, stories where you did those things. Tell me the full story right? And then maybe not on the resume, but you have to have the full story to decide what to put on the resume. And very simply put, that might be challenge, action, result. 
So what was the challenge or problem you were looking to solve? Why were you doing what you were doing? What did you do? And, and as specifically as you can, then you can choose which specifics to include on the resume based on what is relevant towards that future employer. And then what was the result? And make yourself dig there. That's where most of the gems leave themselves uncovered. What did it mean for the customers, for the company, for your teammates, for your boss? You know, go through the impact of whatever that project was on everyone you can think of. And don't be afraid or overly afraid of being specific. You know, if you were in in marketing and you don't feel comfortable saying that this project resulted in X, Y, or Z sales, could you say contributed to, um, laid the foundation for, whatever wording might feel comfortable, but when you leave out that result simply because you don't feel like you can claim full responsibility for it, which, you know, no one individually within a company claims full responsibility for most things, but it's including that result of some kind that is very important to standing out, to showing your business aptitude, business savvy, and knowledge of how the business overall is impacted by your individual contributions. A very important dot to connect and to show an employer that you know how to connect those dots. One of my favorite story structures comes from Susan Whitcomb, who teaches the SMART acronym instead of CAR. And so she talks about a situation with metrics. So if you had a project or a, a, a challenge that you were working on, what was the situation and what were the metrics that you were trying to achieve? Maybe there was a goal that your business had set as, as most do when they start out for a project. What were, what were those metrics? What did that look like? How did it compare to the metrics from before? Then of course you've got your actions and your results, which should reflect back to those, those metrics that were set at the beginning. And this T of the SMART story that Susan teaches is tying it back to the skill set that you want to be displaying through that story or to that employer's need. So as Wendy talked about, you might want to be displaying a certain skill set, maybe business development. So as you're telling me this story and you talk about the situation, the metrics, the action and result, then tie it back with some kind of business development theme. How did it show your business development skills? Being able to kind of connect those dots for an employer can be very important. And of course, as we're talking about these stories, you're thinking this sounds a lot like interview preparation, not necessarily resumes. And you're going to have the same stories in some ways on both. They'll be short and snappy on your resume and not include a whole bunch of detail. So then when you're in the interview, you can expand further. Of course, you'll have lots of stories, hopefully, and you can choose which ones to expand or to share on your LinkedIn profile that might be different than what you have in your resume. And some will be the same so that people get a little bit different flavor when they look at both, not the exact same data. 
So we're going to take a short break. We'll come back in just a few seconds, a few minutes, I guess, and finish up talking about resumes and LinkedIn profiles and a few concrete steps you can take to make yours better and more effective to get where you want to go in your career. We'll be right back. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Where is the best place to put your money? Rick Saylor with co-host Eric Hamburg will take the mystery out of investing in order to keep your hard-earned wealth performing and protecting to its maximum potential. Listen for Straight Talk, Clear Decisions, live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Rick Saylor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and we're finishing up our conversation about LinkedIn and resumes. Had a great chat with Wendy Wiener, who is from The Writing Guru. If you enjoyed her conversation, feel free to connect with her. And we talked about accomplishments and and the importance, really, of keeping your own accomplishment file. And this is some an action step I would urge you to take today. If you're looking for work, even if you're not even thinking about looking for work, although something tells me if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are. Start today. Write it down. Write down those challenge action result stories as they happen. It will help you in your review. It will help you in your resume. And if you don't have those details written down, it becomes a lot more onerous to write your resume. It becomes a lot more challenging to prepare for your review. And you just don't have the facts that you need to back up what you want, right? 
And as you grow in your career, I find that a lot of times people have great accomplishments about one section and maybe not about others. And that can be challenging when you look at your resume and you see, oh, you know, I really haven't kept track of my accomplishments for the last five years. Well, then it looks like you haven't done much in the last five years. You got all these great stories from 10 years ago, and that's not a great marketing campaign, right? I haven't done much for the last five years. And it's probably not true. You just have had a gap in in what you've been tracking. So track now. Track for the last five years. Go back and start thinking about those stories. Write one a week. Do whatever you need to do so that you can feel confident moving forward to be able to quickly communicate what you've done. I think that this is a challenge for for most of us. We have a challenge with promoting ourselves. I very rarely meet too many people who are great at promoting themselves. And a lot of it is because we don't think of it, we don't have we don't have a pa- a pattern of writing down the facts. And so then when we're asked to promote ourselves, it gets very fluffy because we don't have any facts. And the, The best thing you can do, of course, is to be visible when you're achieving these things. The second best thing you can do is to write them down so that you have factual, specific information that you can share when someone asks you, what have your accomplishments been for the last year? That will make that process so much more smooth than you trying to figure out all of that information in a a day before your annual review. Of course, Wendy shared great insight, as, as a lawyer would do, to make sure that you're doing that in your own space, not at work. You might write the story at work right after you get done with a project, and that's probably fine. It serves the, the company for you to document that in some way. But don't save it on your work computer. Don't put it in your hard copy work files at any moment really in the real world you could lose access to that information send it to your personal email write it down and take it home save it on a usb drive whatever it is that you need to do to have it in your personal possession not in the business's possession of course you copy and paste or whatever you need to do to be actually keeping your records for your annual review and how you might need them there. So if you're thinking about keeping these stories and and being able to share what you've done, the one thing that I see come up when I'm talking with candidates about this issue is once you have the facts, let them stand for themselves. I think sometimes we have the, um, the tendency to oversell or to over promote or feel like we really have to prove something to somebody and there's a fine line there between promoting yourself, telling the story, having good stories to tell, being prepared and feeling like you have something to prove, right? And there's a little bit of a different feel there and we just want to be able to have the facts, tell the story and let our successes and our skill sets shine for themselves in a very confident way. No need to 
feel like you've got something to prove, right? You've got great stories. You have great accomplishments. Now you've written them down. You've gone through and practiced them or put them in a nice, concise way on your resume, and they can speak for themselves. If you are playing around with the format of your resume, please, please, please make sure you're looking at a reliable source for samples. The National Resume Writers Association is a great directory to look at. Look at samples from your nationally certified resume writers. The Resume Writing Academy and their Academy Certified Resume Writers. So Resume Writing Academy is also a great place to go look at people in that directory. What type of samples do they have on their website? Be careful of popular media websites, right? Your ask.com, Yahoo, and even what you might find on, on Google not always the best and most up-to-date content and can get yourself into trouble there. I do have a an ebook on my website, How to Write Your Executive Resume. You're welcome to go there if you have interest in in an ebook. And there may be ebooks on other websites of those other organizations that I've listed, the Resume Writing Academy and Nationally Certified Resume Writers. And don't be surprised if you're working with a writer or want to work with a writer and they send you a sample that is way different than what you are aiming for. That's just smart business, right? And we'll send you a sample, let you see our type of work, but we're not going to give you your answers for free. Now, Thinking about where else you might be able to go for resume help, of course you do usually in your location, especially here in the U.S., have some kind of job center, workforce center, one-stop center, nonprofit that does some kind of resume services, at least some kind of instruction around resume writing so that you can get some of the best practices. There's also a free webinar on the Resume Writing Academy website. At the very top of that website, there's a tab that says eSummits, and you can find a free eSummit on that website that goes through the basics of resume writing. It's meant more for professional resume writers, but would be a great option and resource for you in writing your own resume as well. Main point Use a book in the library. I think the latest ones published were from 2008, but they're still going to be better than most of what you could find online, or at least more consistent. And you want to think about what makes sense for you. What do you want to highlight in your resume? What visual presence do you want to have? And a lot of those same ideas transfer over to your LinkedIn profile? How can you communicate what you want an employer to see about you? And of course, if you're on LinkedIn and you are employed, no reason to go raising a bunch of red flags. It's great and powerful to have a profile that shows you're happy and successful where you are while still incorporating some of the keywords that would be searched by an employer who might want to hire you. 
complicated topic, happy to answer any questions. You're always welcome to reach out to me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at astrategicadvantage.com. And we'll see you right back here again next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then. 